Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Good afternoon. Which one? Are you a morning person? Are, lu- are you a breakfast person, a brunch person, or a lunch person? Where are you at? Brunch. Always brunch. Brunch is always the right answer. Well, welcome to church. Welcome to Capital Church. I'm Tracy Wild Pace. Um, my husband and I are the pastors of our young adult community and our interns. Do we have any interns in the room today? Are they out serving? Got a couple in the room. Um, and I'm Pastor Chris's very favorite sister and always Pastor Ken and Connie's favorite child. So, right, Mom? She gave this. Come on, Mom. Chris isn't here. Just say. Um, but I have the great honor this morning of preaching the word. And hasn't it been an amazing series talking about prayer, intercession? Last week, Pastor Chris did a phenomenal job uh, preaching about um, intercession. Two weeks ago, though, I still can't get the message from two weeks ago. Remember, he talked about Abba Father. And I, all I know is I was sitting in the back holding my baby because he doesn't do so good in service. So if you hear a crying baby and my husband leaves, it's because he, he's not used to church yet. He's getting there. Um, but I was sitting in the back and I just remember Pastor Chris up here, he goes, and Abba Father. And he just says, relax. And how many was like, I needed that. I just needed, I, and for the last two weeks, I can't tell you how many times I've just looked, I was like, oh, Father, relax, just relax. God's got it. He's good. Come on, isn't prayer so powerful? The very fact that we get to pray and communicate with the God of the cosmos is pretty amazing. What an incredible honor it is that we serve a God like him and he listens to us and he enjoys listening. Come on, there's people you listen to and then there's people you enjoy listening to. Come on, can I get an amen? And God enjoys listening to you. And I think that's pretty awesome. So today we're gonna continue talking about prayer. I don't know how you add anything to Pastor Chris ever. There's never, I mean, oh, conversation about anything. There's never a need for me to add anything to it. He has, he tells it, he says it, he says it well, he says it better than well, and you just sit there and go, ditto, like, I agree. So when I'm asked to preach, I'm like, how do you add to this intercession and prayer that Pastor Chris has so eloquently preached on? And the thing that was in my heart and in my spirit this week was thinking about encouraging the people who have been waiting on a prayer. Or you're in the midst of a waiting season, something you've been praying on. Have you ever waited for something and you've been praying for a long time? Anybody in the room? Just, no, just the 9 a.m. waits more than the 11 a.m.? No, come on. We all have been waiting on something before. And I don't know about you. You're probably a better Christian, but I think waiting is, is not easy. It's challenging. And it's difficult, especially when the waiting is like something like good. Like it's a God promise. It's a God dream. It's something that's, it's not a bad thing. I'm not, you know, I'm not waiting to like rob a bank or anything. I'm, you know, waiting on the promises of God. I'm waiting on the things that God has promised. I'm waiting on the things that are uh, to extend God's kingdom. And, And it can get really weary and discouraging in the wait. And so I feel like if anything today, and Lord willing, God use me in any way you want, I want to come encourage the waiters. 
the ones who are waiting on a prayer, the ones who have been uh, maybe getting weary as they've been waiting for a while. Today is a reminder that God is on the move. He's got you. And I I believe today, and I'm praying today that this message will encourage you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, Isaiah 40, let's read it together. It's a familiar scripture. It's, uh, I think many of us, if you've been in church very long, you probably know it pretty well, but it's a good one. Now I'm going to read it this morning. Isaiah 40, starting in verse 28 says, have you not known the prophet Isaiah says, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That's pretty awesome. His understanding, understanding, so he's got you. (laughs) He's got you. He understands it. I don't need to. He's got you. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases his strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait, they who wait, they who wait, anybody who waits, For the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Come on, church. Waiting is good. Come on, can we pray this morning? Lord knows I need it because my notes that I studied for disappeared in the night when I was studying. So I had to start from scratch and my baby decided to wake up every two hours. Lord, we need you. God, we know your presence is here. You're faithful and you're good. God, and I just ask, Lord, that you would do whatever you want to do in this service. Speak so individually. That's what I love about you, Jesus, is that in one corporate setting, you can speak a collective message, but at the same time, you can individually speak to every single heart. So open our hearts, open our ears to receive whatever it is you want to say, God. I thank you that you use me as a vessel and that's simply it. Lord, I'm a vessel to speak your word. God, I pray that I would be anointed to give the word today. And Lord, we thank you that our ears would be open to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen? I'm not kidding. Yesterday I had studied, and I love studying and like commentaries. I had like I had six or seven pages of notes from all my commentaries that I had read, and I went to go take care of my baby for a minute and came back. My computer, it's never done this, ever. In like, It's not even that old of a computer. And it was charged, it was plugged in, everything was right. It was the devil. If you're a Pentecostal, you're with me. If you're charismatic, you know the devil was after me because he knew I was getting ready to preach. And I get back to my computer, and it's shut off. like It's turned off. And I was like, that's weird. So I go turn on, and it was dead. And it lost everything. And I lost everything, you know? And I was like, no! Um, so the good Lord is going to use it for his... I, I, I literally was like laughing. I'm like, this is either going to be the worst message I've ever preached or the, or the best message. So you're in for it, you know? It's history is being made today. It's either the best or the worst. Either way, you win, okay? So, but let's hope for the best. Um, I'm, I'm titling this message today, Eagles and Infants. E- Thanks, Dad. I thought it was good too. I mean, granted, I think I came up with it at three in the morning when my baby was crying, but eagles and infants, I liked it. So we're going to talk about eagles and infants. Um, As you know, or maybe you don't know, my husband Garrison and I have a three and a half month old Declan. Um, His name is Declan August Kessler Wild Pace, which is why Declan August Kessler, his little middle name is Dak. That's why we call him Dak. If you ever hear someone go, how does Dak, how's Dak short for Declan? Well, it isn't, okay? But it is short for his enormously long name that we gave the poor kid, okay? 
Um, but little Declan is three and a half months old, and he's the best thing in the world. We love him so much. Um, but don't tell people your baby is good, because apparently, I did that yesterday. I was like, oh yeah, he's great. He sleeps great. So good. And this kid was like, challenge accepted, mom. And then decided yesterday he was going to like just wake up and scream. Like he never wakes up crying or screaming, but last night he chose to do that every two hours, and it was a blessing from the Lord. So... Um, He's so sweet though. But I remember after, after having him, the first moms, and you might have experienced this, the first time I like left the house alone, don't worry, Garrison had him. He wasn't, he wasn't left alone. But I left alone for just like a couple seconds was to Walgreens. And Walgreens is practically attached to our subdivision. So it really wasn't that far, but I felt like I was a human again. You know, I was like, oh, I am more than just this child's source of life, you know? And I'm like, drive to Walgreens and I'm walking in Walgreens and it was the weirdest phenomenon. I'm like, do they know I'm a mom? Like, like everything about me had changed. I didn't know how to explain it. I was like, I don't think they know that I'm a mom. Like, should I tell them I'm a mom? Like, like it totally changed me. Like, I did not realize, I mean, marriage changes you, but becoming a parent, like, fully changes you. And I was like, I don't, they need to know. I think, I mean, they don't know. I'm, they don't know. Uh, but it's funny because it, it really has changed both Garrison and I. I remember when I was pregnant, uh, Garrison swore that he would never change a dirty diaper. I mean, it, he was emphatic. I have witnesses in the room that told me, like, we would go over to Pastor Chris's house with his million children. It's not, it's seven, um, but it's still a lot. And four of the seven are in diapers. And we'd go over to Pastor Chris and Kelly's house and you could smell it. You know, you knew, you knew someone needed a diaper change and no one was volunteering. It was weird. And so, and Garrison would be like, someone smells. And I'm like, well, babe, check which one. He's like, I'm out, I'm out. And he'd like leave the room. And I'm like, eventually you're gonna have to change diapers. He goes, no, that's one thing I'm not gonna do. I am here to tell you, the first one to change the dirty diaper of Declan was his dad, Garrison. So he changed. You got a hand clap for that. Um, and then I was a little concerned. Pastor Kelly was very concerned for me in this is I don't love like sticky hands on kids or like messy faces and getting me dirty. You know, like I love children. I've always loved like my nieces and nephews, but as soon as they like, you know, if they had like dirty stuff on their hands, I'd give them back to their mom. Cause I'm like, I don't need that on my clothes. I don't like messes. I don't like a messy, like tables. Like I'd go, you know, people have, I'm like, don't they clean their tables? I didn't realize they can't. The babies are constantly constantly dirtying up the tables. So I've just had issues with that. But then when you have a baby and he spits up in your hair and all over your pajamas in the middle of the night, what I discovered is I just roll over and go back to sleep. (laughs) Soaking wet. I stink. My pillows are disgusting. You know, my hair, I wake up and it's like hard to brush it out. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Being a mom changes you. It just does. And having a little baby is amazing. I think it changes you in so many ways. And babies teach you so much. Babies, babies teach you a lot about being human. Um, but really what has been amazing to me is how much babies, and especially little Declan, has taught me about prayer. And I really do believe that babies teach us about prayer. Yes, babies teach us about prayer. Because it's, it's the initial ability to communicate as an infant that we all experienced, we don't remember it, but as an infant, we all learn to communicate in a certain way and it's responsive interaction. Uh, if you notice when you're with a baby and get, Declan's at this really fun age where he's starting to coo, you know, he's, he, he has his own language and I don't know what any of it means, but it's adorable. So like his, his favorite word is a goo, you know? 
agu, and I think it's awesome. And we, we speak it like fluently in our house, and neither of us knows what it means, but we just love to say agu. And then last night he started saying a you, and I was like, oh, a new one, okay. And it was so adorable because last night we were watching the Boise State game and I had him on my lap and he just started going, agu. And I, and I looked at him and I go, agu. And he just laughed. And I was like, okay, this is what gets you, okay? And then he was like, you And I was like, and I just copy him, you He'd bust up laughing. I have it on video, I, I promise. And I just would copy everything he would say and he was like, this is awesome. And it's funny because this is how me and my son communicate right now and neither of us knows what it means but neither of us cares. It doesn't matter that I don't know what a goo means and Lord knows he doesn't either. But he knows when he says it, he gets a response. It's funny when you watch babies, they get a rattle or a toy and they realize, oh my gosh, when I pick this up and it scares them at first, it makes noise and they're like, oh gosh, you know? They, like, they have that little startling reflex because they're learning this cause and effect. They're learning that when they do something, something happens. When they say something, there's a response. When he cries, we come to his aid. You know, when he poops, his dad changes his diaper. If he wants his dad, he just poops, you know? But there's something powerful about the, the communication of a baby, of an infant. It's actually the way we're supposed to communicate to God. We really should learn how to relearn how to be a baby. Because it's that cause and effect, that, that, that conversation and relation to God, when we open our heart and our mouth and we express something to God, you know what it's like? It's like a baby who knows he's gonna be comforted, who knows something's gonna happen, who knows he doesn't have to worry because his mom and his dad are trustworthy and they're gonna come take care of him, they're gonna change his diaper, they're gonna give him food, they're gonna get him to bed on time. Come on, this is what it's like in prayer. The problem is little Declan and all of us start learning more than a goo. Too bad we don't just stay at a goo, right? Eventually we're gonna learn to demand like mine or no or pointing and wanting something. So something bad happens when actually we develop our language. What happens is we lose the relational part and we add in words and concepts and demands and we expect things to happen our way and it leads us into a place that God never intended us to when it comes to prayer. He always wants us to stay in that place of infancy when it comes to prayer. That's actually our first language and the one we should be fluent in. But the reality is, we grow, we learn languages, we learn words, we learn what happens, we, we use words against people, we dehumanize people with our words, we depersonalize people because now we have a vocabulary and ability to get what we want, we manipulate God through our prayers, we pray the way we want it, how we want it, and all of a sudden, we lost a goo. And we lost this personal connection, which it was always meant to be. See, I don't need to know how God's gonna work something out. Right, right. Do you know you don't need to know what God knows? Yeah. Isaiah 55 says God's ways are higher than, than my ways. His, his thoughts are higher. I don't need to know. But as soon as you start developing language, guess what happens? You need to know. Yeah. I wanna be on a need to know basis. The reality is a baby doesn't need to know. A baby trusts. A baby knows. His mom and dad are gonna come. 
He knows that if he just says something, oh man, he's going to get a good laugh because his mom and dad are going to say it back. This is how we should approach prayer is when I go to God in prayer, I'm just going to open my heart. I'm going to, I'm going to pray the word. I'm going to pray what God is putting on my heart. And I know my God, I don't need to know how he does it, but I know my God will answer those prayers. But as we learn and develop this language, what also happens is then, now that I know words and I ask for them, I get real impatient when it doesn't happen right away. Anybody else? Like, God, I really need you to give me this new job. Okay, God, it hasn't happened yet. It's like, it's been five seconds since you just prayed the prayer. Like, I know I'm a miracle worker, but relax, you know? But we, we can't wait. This is what develops in all of us from our infancy into our adulthood. We went from understanding that all of our needs were met to now we're like, come on, I've been waiting a while. And the reality of waiting is that I think our culture has told us it's bad. And I don't think it is. I think that a lot of my waiting seasons were some of my best seasons. And it's in the wait that we learn really truly how to pray. And there's power in the wait when we pray. But it's challenging. I mean, recently, it was Garrison's birthday this week. I know, I know the challenge of waiting. I ordered him a birthday gift, maybe a, too, maybe a little bit too late. Sorry, I thought I was gonna get the, you know, the ASOS two-day or the you know, Amazon Prime. I'm used to it. But I ordered from someone else, and I didn't realize it takes forever. You know? Let's get those ships delivered. You know? Come on, California. Um, oh, that got a hand clap. Okay. I know how to speak to this congregation. Uh, and so I ordered his, his birthday gift and you know, it's like, I'm on the UPS tracking refresh, 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 refresh. As if I, as I'm standing at the door, like I can't see that the UPS guy came, but I'm still like refresh, refresh. Like, where is it? You know, we're always in this season of waiting. And I feel like for many people, you feel like your life is in a waiting room and you've spent so much of your life waiting for, for something that you've been praying on or waiting for something that you've been believing for, and you think that that waiting room is bad. You think that waiting is a failure, or you feel like waiting is like demonic. I think, I think we kind of think that. Like, oh, wait, if, if we have to wait, because we're charismatics, so it's like, no, waiting, I renounce you, I rebuke you. And then we speak in tongues all over it, you know? And God's like, no, it's, it's okay to wait. In fact, the Bible is full of waiters, people who had to wait, people who, who waited a long time, longer than some of us. But it's the story of the gospel to believe a promise and to wait on it. Jesus, think how long the people of Israel, and this is where we get to Isaiah, think how long they've been waiting for the promise. They're in a bad situation when we get to Isaiah chapter 40. They've been waiting a long time for God to come and do what, that, what has been promised to them. And now they're in, in a dire need. They've been overtaken by the Assyrians. They're dealing with uh, all sorts of, uh, of, of persecution and frustration and suffering. And, and it's great despair in Israel. And yet they're still waiting. And chapters 40, Isaiah 40 through 48, give us this picture of what God is going to do. And it's a picture of redemption and deliverance and, and, and the promises of God are gonna come of Yahweh, like that thing you've been waiting for. And chapter 40 starts with this beautiful phrase that says, comfort, comfort, my people. That's how he starts this eight chapter deliverance piece. He says, comfort, comfort, my people. 
Then we get to chapter 40 and it's all about this beautiful language and you've read it. We read it at the top of this message and it's, it's powerful. It's, it's, it's a sense of, I, I, I can do it, right? Do you, you read Isaiah 40 and you're like, okay, yeah, I can do it. He's gonna, I'm young, but I'm tired, but he's gonna give me strength. And you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling exhausted, but the word says that wait on the Lord and, and he's gonna renew my strength and I'm gonna mount up with like wings like eagles and I'm gonna soar. Come on, you get excited when you should, when you read Isaiah 40, it always like stirs me up. But there's some parts of it that I don't think we fully grasp and understand. And when you understand the word wait, uh, I think it actually means hope. Because hope in Hebrew actually means to wait for something or someone. So when you read in Isaiah 40, wait on the Lord, do you know what it's saying? Hope. Hope. Just hope. Well, what does hope mean? Waiting. Well, what does waiting mean? It means prayer. What do you do in the waiting? You pray. Well, why do I pray? Because I have hope. Well, but, but what if you lose hope? Well, then I pray. And then what do you do while you're waiting for your prayer? You have hope and you just keep waiting. Like we, we overcomplicate this season and we get frustrated at God and God doesn't think waiting is bad. Because God already knows what he's gonna do. God already knows that he's accomplished all the things in your life. The Bible says this, that he will accomplish what he sends his word to do. Someone just memorize that scripture and say it over yourself every single day. He will accomplish all that he's purposed his word to do. If he sends his word to it, he's going to accomplish it. Will it happen tomorrow? I don't know. Will it take 10 years? Maybe. Will it take a lifetime for some? Yeah. And this, the Bible's full of stories like that, but he always accomplishes what he purposes. So waiting on God is actually a form of prayer. And in the waiting, what should you do? You pray. See, eagles, and I love this about uh, Isaiah 40. It says, but they who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall, uh, they shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. I love this picture of eagles, right? Eagles are powerful, right? I love living in Idaho because we get to see bald eagles, right? Do they have that everywhere in the United States? I don't know, but I, I just like to believe that we have a lot more than them. If you go up to North Idaho, have you ever been to North Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, when there's, I don't even remember where it is. Mom, we went to it one time, hundreds, if not thousands of eagles in this little cove area up in North Idaho. It's one of the coolest things you've ever seen in your life. And it's all these bald eagles right there. There's something really majestic about a bald eagle, right? If you've seen one, you're just like, you, you stop for a second. And I don't, I don't necessarily know. I mean, it is our national bird and you know, we're patriotic and we love the eagle. But there's something really special about eagles that is unlike any other bird species. And I know this because I took um, birds of prey in college, no big deal. That was like 20 years ago, but I remember this. <laughs> and it was a pass or fail class and somehow I passed. I don't even know how. Um, but birds of, uh, uh, or eagles are unlike every other bird in this one way. When an eagle sees a storm coming, like the dark clouds are coming and there's a storm in the distance, eagles are the only bird that goes towards the storm. Have you ever seen a storm happen and you, it's like crazy, it's like the scary horror film birds, like they all go, birds start flying everywhere and it freaks you out. I got one laugh from that. I mean, come on, I thought it was an October reference that you'd get, you know? No one's seen birds or whatever, Hitchcock, you know? But birds are freaky, first of all, I think. And especially when they see a storm, because they start going crazy. None of those birds go towards the storm. Only an eagle goes towards a storm. 
Why is that? Because an eagle instinctively knows if they can get above the so- uh, if they can get above it, they soar. They don't have to use any energy. And what they do is they use the wind and energy of the storm. They go into it and it literally lifts them up above the storm. Eagles are smart. So when they see a storm, they don't go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like all the other dumb birds, they go the other way or start like trying to find shelter. The eagle's like, rookies. And the eagle sees the storm and it starts flapping its wings. But have you ever noticed once it gets high enough, it no longer flaps its wings. It just soars into the wind and the wind of the storm carries an eagle over the storm into the place of peace. An eagle is smart and an eagle teaches us that if you want to get above a storm, if you are waiting and you are discouraged and you have let the enemy bring depression on you and discourage you, you know what you need to do? You need to be like an eagle. And when you see the storm, you start praying. You start putting the armor of God on and you say, I'm going to get above that storm and I'm going to use the energy and the wind of this storm and it's going to carry me to peace. That's what an eagle does. So when Isaiah says that you will soar like wings, like eagles, come on, get a picture of what it means to get above what you have a challenge in. Get a picture of what it means to wait. Waiting is not bad. An eagle wouldn't go, ah, oh, man. An eagle gets excited when there's a storm because it knows I'm gonna get some energy and some rest, actually, because that wind is gonna take all of the work out and I'm just gonna be able to glide right into the top of that sword and I'm gonna see peace. I'm gonna see tranquility. I'm gonna see this blue sky and I'm gonna be able to walk into the freedom I've been wanting. We can learn a lot from eagles. We can learn a lot from babies. Why? Because we think waiting is, 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 a, is a curse. It's, it's, it's demonic. It's God, you know, judging us when actually God says, hey, when there's a season of wait, what I'm calling you to do is pray. And you'll be like an eagle and you'll get above it. See, like I said, the Bible's full of it. And I think of a story in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter one. In fact, and this was where all my notes, this is what I studied and had eight pages of like really good commentary because I love commentaries and then it disappeared. So maybe another day I will preach a whole message on Luke chapter one. But Luke chapter one is fascinating. Speaking of babies, uh, it's the story of Jesus, the foretelling of Jesus, right? His birth narrative. But before that, it's also talking about Elizabeth, Mary's cousin having a baby who was barren. Remember the story. But before that, there's a, there's a little section in the first part of Luke's gospel about Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband. And it's Zechariah who was a priest at the time. And in the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, at this time in, in Luke's gospel, there was estimated scholars say anywhere between eight to 18,000 priests, Levitical priests. These priests would, each tribe, there were 24 of these uh, tribes or, or, or sections of this tribe that would take the duties in the temple once a week. They had this, or during these festivals, they would get to, you know, twice in the day during a week's period, they would get to be the ones, the priest who goes into the Holy of Holies and brings the incense and the prayers. You know this from the Old Testament and through, through the New Testament. Well, the reality is because there were so many priests, there was more priests than there was work. So the likelihood of a priest to actually get to go in the Holy of Holies and be the one who brings the incense and be the one who gets to offer the prayer was like a chance of a lifetime. 
In fact, there was never a priest that did it more than once. And actually, many of these priests never got to do it. So when Zechariah, the Bible says, if you read, chapter, read Luke chapter one, they cast lots and guess what? It's Zechariah's turn. It's Zechariah's turn to be the one who brings the incense and the prayers to the Holy of Holies and he's gonna bring this and the people are outside worshiping and praying and he gets to go inside. Come on, talk about this is your moment you've been waiting for. If you're a priest, this is it. Like we talk about arriving, this to him was arriving. Remember his wife is barren. Uh, and barrenness in this culture was not just uh, a disappointment, it was a complete shame on the family. In fact, they would believe in their culture that it was caused because of sin, but Luke's gospel lets us know that it isn't because they say they're blameless. Luke makes sure to let everyone know her barrenness had nothing to do with sin. But here she is, barren, doesn't have children. Uh, It's believed that she's in her 80s at this point, definitely post-baby time, right? So I think at this point, Zechariah's probably given up a little bit on the promise or the hope that he's gonna have a child, maybe not. But he has one opportunity to go in the presence of God and he can pray anything he wants. Think about this. He could pray anything he wants. I, don't, I would have thought Zechariah would have gone in there and been like, God, please give my wife a baby because she's driving me crazy. <laughs> incense, incense prayer, you know? <laughs> Holy water. Like, give my baby a, just give my wife a baby. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but, but the, the reality is it's unlikely that that's what he prayed. How do we know that? Because when the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and tells him, by the way, you're gonna have a son. He's like, yeah, right. Give me a sign. There's no way. So he didn't pray that. That's not what he prayed. You know what he prayed? And in that prayer, God answered two prayers. Zechariah went into that place and he prayed, that the will of God would be accomplished, that Yahweh, the one they had believed for, Jesus, the Messiah, would come. He prayed for Israel's promise. He went in there with his one prayer, his one shot, his one opportunity. He didn't pray for the thing he'd been waiting for. He prayed for the thing they'd all been waiting for. And he goes into there and he says, he prays, God, give us. And in that moment, Gabriel tells him, by the way, you're gonna have a son and your son is going to be the, the, the foreshadowing. He's gonna be the one that leads in the Messiah, the one you've all been praying for. Isn't this just like God? Isn't it like God? That he not only will answer your prayer and the thing you're waiting for, but he answers a collective thing. See, when we seek after, this is a classic Matthew 6 text. If you seek after the things of God, guess what happens? He will take care of everything you need, you request, you've asked for, you've petitioned for, and you've waited for. Why? Because God is just that good. That's who he is. And so Zechariah takes his one prayer and he goes in there and he calls upon Yahweh. And he calls upon God, God, do what we've been waiting for. Give us the Messiah. And in that moment, because God is so good and so faithful to those who have waited and have waited faithfully and have continued to to serve God and pray through the storms and stay faithful in the seasons where you don't see what God's doing, guess what he does? He goes, I'm not only gonna give you the big promise, but I'm gonna take care of every detail of your life and the little things in your heart that you maybe never even told anyone, don't you worry, God cares. See, I think we just forget how good he is. We sing about it. I mean, I love worship, but I really don't think we believe half the things we sing. 
Because we talk about his wonder work. Dad's like, yeah. The wonder work. That's what pastors are like, yes. The wonder working power. He does impossible things. Come on, I could go on and on with the lyrics of just today. And then when it comes to the thing that's in my heart or maybe the thing I've been praying for or maybe the thing I'm worried about, that's like, I don't know. God just hasn't done it. I'm, you know, this weight is a, it's, it's a failure. It's, it's not worth it. But I want you to remember eagles and infants. I want you to remember that your first communication and your first language is a simple trust in a God who will respond to you. And he will respond not with what you want, but with what you need. Declan can cry. And I know, I know his cries now. I know that, I know the hunger cry. I know the tired cry. He is starting a new cry in the middle of the night, which I'm praying for discernment on because it's, it's bless the Lord. I think it's a teething cry, which is a new cry that makes me want to cry. But we learn his cry. I, I know what my son needs. Garrison knows what our son needs. Why? Because we know him. We're relational. We have this relationship with him. God knows what you need. He knows and he cares. And you just need to go to God with the agoos of your heart. Just go to him. Stop, stop trying to be so eloquent in your prayers and try to like fit in a box or manipulate God through your prayers and tell God what you want. Just go to him like a baby. Just go to him and go, God, I need you. I need you to, to, to do stuff in my life and my heart. I need you to expand me. I need you to give me a new perspective. I need your help. I love you, Jesus. Can you help me? Just go to God like a baby. And as you wait for God to answer your prayers, be an eagle. When you see storms, when you see someone coming, oh, you're still waiting for that? You go, okay, challenge accepted storm. And you pray yourself over that storm. You soar above it from the energy and the wind of the Holy Spirit as you pray. And you're gonna find yourself in smooth territory. Come on, have you ever been flying on an airplane and that's turbulent and it's bumpy and there's the clouds? I just, I know as soon as I see that blue sky, as soon as you get above those clouds, it's just, and the little ding, you know? And like seatbelt sign is off. Guess what? You just got above the clouds. That's what prayer does when you're in the weight. It gets you above the cloud. And all of a sudden, isn't it amazing what you can see when you get above it? Some of you are in the middle of the clouds trying so desperately to see. And God says, get yourself above it through prayer. Be like an eagle. Soar above the, the, the difficulties, the storms, maybe the questions you have towards God because God hasn't done this, this, or that. But can I tell you, God is perfect in his timing. Ecclesiastes says everything is beautiful in its time. God's not late. God hasn't failed you. He's not forgotten you. Somebody needs to hear this in the room today. God has not forgotten you. Let me say it again because I think somebody, somebody's need to hear this. God has not forgotten you. Some of you have felt forgotten by God. No, he hasn't forgotten. You might just be in a waiting season. You might be like Luke. And here's the great thing. And I didn't even get to it because it was in my notes that it's disappeared. It's somewhere. It's not even in the cloud. It's gone. I just have to restudy and learn it. But what was so amazing about Luke chapter one and Zechariah is then of course, Elizabeth, his wife, his barren wife, his 80 something year old wife gets pregnant, hides for five months, which was not traditional or cultural. She didn't need to hide, but she does. Why? Because she then becomes the sign and the promise for Mary, who 
the, the angel Gabriel also went to visit and told her, by the way, you're a virgin and you're going to have a baby, but don't worry, your barren old cousin is pregnant. Come on. If God can make a barren 80-year-old one pregnant, I, I believe a virgin could get pregnant too at that point. But maybe your miracle and the thing you're waiting for is a sign for someone else. So don't give up. Don't give up. Because your promise and your prayer that's going to be answered, and God will answer it, but don't you dare give up. Because what he's going to do for you will be a sign of the miraculous to someone else. And my word, I want to be a sign to somebody who is lonely and hurting and discouraged. I want my life to be a sign that God can do the impossible. Luke 137. This is what Mary realized when she discovered, I'm going to have a baby and apparently my cousin's having a baby. We're all having babies. But guess what? With God, nothing is impossible. Can I tell you, nothing is impossible for you with God. But you know what we got to do? We got to be a little bit more like infants and eagles. And we got to trust our God who is trustworthy. Come on, somebody, you need to learn he's trustworthy. And some of you are like, well, I've been waiting a really long time. I know. Read the Bible. You're not alone. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people that waited in this text. Just read the book of Psalms and you'll, you'll find comfort with David. David waited. Abraham and Sarah waited. Come on, Hannah waited. Look at Zechariah waited and his wife Elizabeth waited. The Bible is full of people who waited and look at the outcome of every single one. God did it. He accomplished it. So learn to wait well. How do you wait well? You pray. Don't give up praying. And I know it's, it's, that's the time you don't want to pray, <laughs> right? Like I'm tired. I've, I already prayed. Keep praying. Get a new situation. Go in your car and pray. You know, get a prayer partner. Get on the prayer app. Meet somebody who's more advanced in prayer and just get praying. Do you know that, and I read this, I, I, I steal this from, this one's from N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright says, really the first language that we learn is prayer. And the the language of the church is prayer. So pray by yourself, but can I encourage you with something? Prayer was never intended to be just an individual thing. It was intended to be a corporate thing. Prayer is the language of the church. We are the church. We're the ecclesia, the called out ones. If you want to learn to pray, be a part of prayer. And we have corporate prayers. We have prayers throughout all the week. We have a prayer app you can join and pray with one another. There's something powerful when we speak our first language prayer. All of a sudden we see God do miraculous things. Come on church, amen. Amen. Could you stand with me as we close this morning? I wanna encourage someone who's in the wait. You might feel like, it's never, you're never getting out of this, this constant, continual waiting room of your life. But I, but I promise you this, God will do what he purposes to do. And God has great plans for your life. And God in the waiting wants to do things. See, waiting is not idle. It's not, it's not a waste. It's actually really purposeful. 
Waiting is where we learn to trust more. Waiting is where we learn to depend on Him more. Waiting is where oftentimes is where we learn this prayer language and we get fluent in prayer is through the wait. So never let the enemy tell you that you're wasting time or it's idle or you're just, oh man, you're just wasting your life. No, you're not. Guess what you're doing? You are developing your language of prayer during this time of waiting. If you're waiting though and you, and you feel discouraged and you need a fresh energy like an eagle, you need to be revived. Come on, would you just lift your hand? I'm gonna pray with you this morning. You've been waiting on a prayer. You've been waiting for God to accomplish something. Wherever you are, just lift your hands. I believe that the Holy Spirit right now in this place is gonna give you fresh energy. Fresh energy to, to revive, even, uh, I, I feel it, dead dreams. He's gonna resurrect dreams in people's hearts. Some of you have had a dream and you prayed and you never saw it happen and you've given up on it. And right now, I see and feel the Holy Spirit is resurrecting dead dreams. And what He's doing is He's giving fresh wind and fresh energy to those things. Learn to be like an infant in an eagle. And as you pray, towards God, who you know will answer, and you get yourself above the storms of life and the clouds of this world, guess what? God is going to refresh you, energize you. He's gonna instruct you and lead you and guide you. Come on, you're gonna feel full of the Holy Ghost. You're gonna feel His presence in the name of Jesus. I pray for every hand raised. Lord, right now, by the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would give them, infuse with them, infuse in them fresh and energy and strength. Ephesians says this, Paul says, give them endless energy and boundless strength. Lord, I pray as they wait, they will wait well. And Lord, they will see the purposes and the promises of God in their life in Jesus name. Come on church. If you believe it, would you give God praise? Would you honor him this morning? Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.